Right here, it is right now. How you doing today, James Merrillat? Well, Zach, I am sitting in a pub at 11 o'clock in the morning on what feels like the first spring day of the year. Yeah, right. Like, I know it's not officially spring, but yeah. just sort of, it has that vibe. It just has that sense. So uh, I don't know that I could be doing better at the moment. How about you? Dilly dilly. Hey. And you're sitting next to me. Yeah. I mean, Come on, yeah, yeah. that's the topper. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> uh, we love uh, when James fills in for Stoke. Stoke will be back tomorrow. And uh, as James just alluded to, we are live at Slattery's Irish Pub here in the Landmark uh, that's uh, within the Tech Center. Love coming here. What a great place. How, how about this? One week from today. One week from today. Yep. Every single TV uh, in this place will be fired up to the NCAA tournament. Conference tournaments are happening right now. I'm looking at Baylor and, and Iowa on one of the TVs. Um, we're going to have selection Sunday uh, in just a couple days. We'll be filling out our bracket on Monday and kicking things off on Thursday. I love, love, love this time of year, James. No doubt. And next Thursday and Friday, the two of the best days on the sports calendar. They're just phenomenal. It's those two days. And then you can debate wild card weekend or divisional round weekend. Those are, uh, to me, at the top of the list. But Thursday and Friday are great because they're all day and you get to play hooky to some extent, right? Even if you're at the office, we'll be working, but we'll have TVs on and we'll be watching games. And, you know, now with all streaming devices and everything, it's even easier to do it. Right. My kids, like, I was like, hey, you guys want to stay home next Friday? We'll watch games. Like, no, I like going because I like, you know, watching the games at school. I'm like, you watch the games at school? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all my buddies on, the, are on their computers in class. I'm like, okay, great. Sign of the time. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome. Right now is great. CU plays at one. I think CSU plays at one. Yeah. CU's got UCLA. That's uh, it's a bit of a tough tough draw. Well, they just pushed them. They did. Just a week ago. They did. W- w- which I think actually works in the favor if you're on the UCLA minus nine side. Correct. The, uh, hey, guys, we can't take them lightly. Look what happened last time. Yes. They did act like they had, you know, won something when they escaped Boulder. So, uh, look, it'd be a – I don't even know if if they're so – they're, what, 18 and 16 now? They're so – far away from even seeing the bubble that even beating UCLA wouldn't no. matter. Oh, they no, have to win no. the tournament. Yeah, they would have to win the tournament. If you beat UCLA, maybe they can get into one of the last NIT seeds. I mean, that's kind of where they're at yeah, with their that's season. A, that's a go ahead and tear up that invitation. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. It was nice. Again, a nice win yesterday. They tried to give it away and then held on late against Washington. And both um, schools and CSU edged out Fresno State by two, and they've got San Diego State today. And they have top seeded <laughs> San Diego State, who's ranked twentieth in the country. So. I think it could be a bad day for both of our teams. I agree. Air Force lost um, to UNLV yesterday in in the Mountain West tournament as well. So yeah. our, our last two, um, you know, uh, Division One schools here, we'll keep our eye on them. We'll actually preview those games a little bit later this afternoon as you're spot on. They both uh, tip off at the same time at one o'clock, and I feel like. 
to your point, um, which I just think it's hilarious that the kids nowadays can be in school yeah. with a laptop. Yeah. They have internet through the school's Wi-Fi. Yeah. And you can just stream the games. So I'm 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 younger than you. I'll actually turn 36 years old tomorrow. And Happy early birthday. So, But I remember being in middle school when it would be like opening day for the New York Yankees, which is obviously a huge team. I'm living in upstate New York, right? And I remember people, it was like fashionable and secretive to bring in like little radios, you yeah, know, and yeah. like, like be listening to the Yankee game. Like it's less than 1% of your schedule, right? But it was opening day. And I remember yeah. being at lunch like, oh, a Jeter got a double, you know, or whatever it was at the time. Um, and now you can just straight up watch it in the middle <laughs> of your chemistry lab. That's hilarious, man. I'm old enough that uh, I remember being at school when the NFL draft was happening and nobody was really paying attention to it. It was in a, in a ballroom at the Sheraton in New York. And bringing a transistor radio or a Walkman or whatever and checking in between classes and tuning into local radio stations yeah. to see who the Broncos picked. Yeah. Because you couldn't check Twitter. Right. It was 30 right. years from being invented or whatever. Right. So, yeah. the, uh, the Al kids... Gore hadn't invented the Internet right. yet. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the kids nowadays, they've uh, they've got it pretty good. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. We're off and rolling here uh, on a Tuesday. Um, the Nuggets. We should probably, uh, you know, you know, uh, let, let's 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 hit the gonna, pause button on that. Let me I, simmer for uh, a little longer. I am gonna I am gonna try to talk you off a ledge because you you sent a text message this morning. Yeah, I did, and I mean it. You said my my concerno meter. Did you say concerno meter? Just concern meter. Uh, okay, okay. Concerno sounds better though. Let's go with that because that's what we've been using on the on, on our show uh, for a few years now. Okay. The concerno meter. Uh, you said I'm about at an eight. So I am. We'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that here uh, in just a second. But I'm curious to go back real quick um, as the NCAA tournament is about to get off the ground. Uh, CU this past week landed like the top recruit in the entire country. Yeah, and they already had a big-time recruiter. They top 15 did. guy. They did. So, and look, people, and, and, and I'm a CU grad, I'm a CU fan, and when I was there, the basketball team was awful. They really only had a good stretch, and it was like the year or two that Chauncey was there. They made the NCAA tournament. That was after me. And then Tad came in and made them relevant. And so anytime I complain about Tad Boyle or say, hey, it's time to go to the next level, people jump all over me and say, well, 15 years ago, you would have been thrilled with 20 wins. Yeah, it ain't 15 years ago. At some point, you can't be a team that flirts with 20 wins every year, is on the bubble, you know, four out of five years you have a, a stressful selection Sunday at Tad's house, and two of those four you get in, and two of those years you're disappointed. Like, at some point you got to get more. And to me, it's always been, hey, you got to get into the dance every year. And then at some point you got to get to the second weekend. you got to get to the Sweet 16. Every year there's three or four teams that nobody expected to get there, right? It's Florida, Gulf Coast, it's whoever. Why can't they beat that big Colorado yeah, one year? Oral Roberts. Right. Bryant. Right. There's always one or two that had no business being there. Yep. And Colorado, you know, heck, a couple of years ago, I think they were a five seed. Yes. And they, they weren't able to get there. So that's my expectation is you can't just plateau. They won the Pac-12 tournament in 2012. They've basically been the same program ever since mm. with, a, uh, with a few little down ticks, but have never really been higher than that. Next year? Expectations are going to be high. You got the best recruit in the country. You got a, a, another top 20 recruit. You certainly should be a tournament team. Yes. You probably should be a sweet 16 team. Well, 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 when you start getting a, that, that 
threshold. I agree with you in terms of expectations. You should be a 20-game winner. You should be in the NCAA tournament. You need to finish in the top half of the Pac-12. But when you start to get in the Sweet 16, you're going to be a really young team, too. Okay, I get it. But it, it's, it's why I call him Teflon Tad, because you're not allowed to have expectations. If you have expectations, everybody just says, no, no, no. You should be happy with just getting in the tournament forever. Like, that's just... That's the goal forever. Is you just you got into the tournament? Oh, thanks, Tad. Nothing like watching one more game and getting bounced on Thursday or Friday. At some point, yeah, you, you got to take I, that leap. I, I so, understand. you know, how long are these kids going to stay? These two big recruits, right? Like that's a short window. I sure. don't think they're going to be there for you know multiple years. So, uh, it's exciting that he got those guys. That's great. There's uh, well, there's basketball or football. Next year is going to be a lot of talent up in Boulder. I wonder. It's ser- serious question. And, and there's no way to me, no, I'm just hypothetically asking the question. Tad was landing a couple big-time recruits before Dion got there. But Dion being there can't hurt that basketball program. Not. The general awareness of Colorado is yep. um, has widened. It's, uh, it's the classic example of you know a rising tide lifting all boats. And it's not just, hey, it helps the other sports programs, which it does. Uh, in recruiting and funding, just because it kind of makes the program cool and visible and all yeah. the rest of that. I was up there in the early early to mid-1990s. The number of cranes that were there when I was at school, building new buildings yeah. for the science department, the economics yeah. department, everything yeah. else, compared to when their football team has been awful, it helps everybody. So, yeah, I think it definitely helped uh, w- w- with basketball recruiting. I'm not taking any way, any credit away from Tad. He landed the, the two kids and has, yeah, put, he did. And has done he it. Did. He closed the deal. But does it help that they have a little bit of a different thought about the University of Colorado? Well, I'll say this. It certainly doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt at all. My one, my one big um, uh, uh, agreement with you in not getting through the threshold is not last season, the season before that. When they had McKinley Wright, who was yeah. one of the great players in program history, uh, they had Jariah Horn and and Evan Batty and they uh, Jabari Walker, and it was just like they had a bomb squad, and they couldn't get out of the first weekend again, yeah. and yeah. really unfortunate. Um, you know, Colorado State missed their opportunity a year ago too with the bomb squad that they had. You know, one of the biggest uh, total uh, win totals in the country, great seed, and then they draw Michigan, who's on a down year. And, and get upset. I yeah. mean, on the first weekend. A Michigan team that didn't even have 20 wins and probably shouldn't have been in the tournament. Right, I was going to say, it was debatable whether they were supposed mm-hmm. to be there. And I think it was the 5-12, I think. I think so. Something like that. So, um, okay, we're off and rolling. We're at Slattery's Pub here in the Tech Center uh, uh, within the Landmark. We are going to be here until 2 o'clock. Uh, come by. Uh, watch some of the games. We got, uh, again, conference tournaments on. Uh, I've eaten here a bunch. Great menu. Can't wait to dive into it. Again, if you want to come say uh, hello to uh, James and myself, we will be here until 2 o'clock. James says his concernometer with the Denver Nuggets is an 8 out of 10. What? Hang tight. We'll try to give him some help coming up next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. So the Denver Nuggets, who have the best home record in the NBA, who hadn't lost at at Ball Arena in, in literally a couple months, who have the number one seed in the Western Conference, my colleague and friend James Merrillat has a concernometer at 8 out of 10 
James. Well, well, to be honest, I said my concern meter is at eight. I didn't tell you what it was out of. Oh, okay. okay. But it is out that of is, ten. That it is, is out of ten. Saying, that's classic slippery James there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, it is out of ten. And, and last night, and I love, it's so Nuggets fan, right? Like, Nuggets Nation, you're just not allowed to say anything anything critical about the team because it's all I've gotten all day on social media was it's one loss it's a get one game in March like all right, first I get tell it. me what your tweet was because I didn't see it so tell me what uh, I had a couple of them essentially I was there were two things that bothered me in the game and this isn't why my did, concern did one of them have to do with Mike Malone both did <laughs> both did so yes. <laughs> he takes out with seven sixteen to play in the third seven sixteen to play in the third MPJ goes out of the game. Gotcha. Or sorry, sorry. This is the timeout. Seven sixteen to play in the third. They were there. They they didn't call a single timeout when they went from down three to down like seventeen. Not a single timeout in the second half of the third quarter and the first three minutes of the of the fourth quarter. Not a single timeout in that stretch. It was like three minutes left in the third. The Bulls had built the lead to thirteen. Nuggets hit two straight shots in a in a minute. Timeout Bulls when it gets cut to eight. That to me is what coaches do: is you got to stop runs, you got to stop the bleeding. Whether it's your lead is dwindling, or it your deficit is building, and Michael Malone doesn't do it. It was my problem when they blew the 19-point lead in Sacramento. He didn't call a single timeout while a 19-point lead went to zero, not one. So that's an issue. The other part of it was they were down three points. I think it was. Can I just respond to the first thing before sure. you keep going? Um, you know what I call that? What you just laid out. Fair criticism. Thank fair, you. It's, it's fair criticism. And now I will say this. Timeouts are the most easy thing to criticize, especially at the NBA level. There is so much complexity to what goes on out there that we can't even, like, like I consider myself a basketball guy, and there's just, it, there's just a lot to it. Timeouts, I think, are easy to diagnose, but that doesn't make it unfair when you do diagnose it. Yeah, stop the bleeding, right? And then Michael Porter Jr. came out with, and I'll, I'll fight it, it was like, 419 or 421 or something to go in the third. He sat on the bench for 10 minutes and 52 seconds, nearly a full quarter. And the lead went from the deficit went from like 3 to 17. Like by the time you're down 17 and you put your second or third at wherever you want to put him, best player into the game. Yeah. By the time you're down 17, it's over. Like and that he's so robotic. Like last night, they could have had the CEO of Western Union move down four seats and coach the team, it wouldn't have been any different. Mm. It was well, the same well, thing. So, so, so I actually agree with what you just said, but for entirely different reasons. I think you are pointing out um, some fair critiques of last night, and it doesn't matter even if they executed what you wanted them to execute. What I saw last night, uh, my biggest complaint, it was just a total lack of pride from the Denver Nuggets. They looked bored to me. They went into business for themselves. That was like the anti-Nuggets game. They weren't even running offense. There was like like individual effort possessions every single – I mean, three out yeah. of every four possessions, it was just basketball players taking shots. That's not who that team is. So, like, my biggest criticism isn't like one of the um, uh, kind of nuances within the game that you're pointing out, although I think it's fair – I, I think they would have lost to every team in the NBA last night with that type of effort. And I think the frustration that clearly was shown by Jokic in the second half because of these nonsensical possessions, 
he showed real immaturity, in my opinion, last night. He just started to launch threes out of frustration. As a leader, you don't do that. It was a bad night. I'm not going to reduce Jokic down to his worst night, and it, and it was a bad night. And statistically, it won't show it, but if you watch the game like you and I did, it was one of his worst games of the season. Yeah. And he is the head of the snake, and that team goes as he goes. Jamal Murray, I mean, how about Jamal? Jamal goes on Twitter during the day and says tonight's the night with a arrow and a a target being hit, like an emoji on your iPhone, uh, and then doesn't look at the hoop in the first half. It was just a weird night, and I think that when they watch the film, um, that'll be an embarrassing film session. Well, and you touched on the two things or the two guys that have my concernometer at an eight. Because let's start with Jamal Murray. He puts that tweet out, which was he's going to break Will Barton's all-time record for three-pointers. Right, I'm sorry. I, sh- I, I should explain that. He's been, right, he he's needed been chasing. Two. He, he needed, needed two. two. I thought he was going to get there last game. He hit five of yeah. them. I thought he was going to get there. Fairly them. safe bet, but he goes out publicly and puts pressure on himself, and then he crumbles. He goes one for seven from three last night. Yeah. So, okay, didn't handle the pressure very well. But it was weird because, and I'm sorry I don't mean to interrupt you, it wasn't just a one of seven. He was one of seven and disengaged after calling your shot. That's a weird sequence of events for me. Agreed. So that was that was worrisome. That wasn't answering the bell. That wasn't being clutch. That wasn't being, you know, uh, ready for the moment and able to take the pressure. The bigger concern to me, and we saw it when he made the quip after the Houston game about how, eh, not bad for a stat patter, right? And then we heard it last night. Read Jake Shapiro's article at denversports.com with uh, Nikola Jokic talking about um, the ugliness of some of the debate. With he says, the, he says uh, unhealthy. Unhealthy. It's getting to him. Part of the beauty of Nikola Jokic was he didn't give a you-know-what, right? He, d- he ignored all that stuff. He was the guy who would, you know, you had to go to Serbia and get him off of a, 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 char- a chariot behind a horse or whatever it's called to give him his MVP award. That was the beauty of it, and that's what made him, not all, totally, but that's part of what made him special. And I feel like the pressure is getting to him, too. See, I don't think it's the pressure. Uh, so so, so, I really like that you brought that up because I wanted to get there later in the show, and we'll circle back to it because we don't have enough time to really dive into it the way that I want to. But um, he's feeling it. Not the pressure, but this bizarre narrative sure. criticism is in his head. Yeah, yeah. I You're right. Saw, it's not pressure. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and he, I think he's responding in a wrong way to it. James, he took eight shots against the Raptors this past week. Seven other Denver Nuggets took more shots in a game that the reigning MVP played in. Jokic, the way that he goes about the game, um, I really like the way that Michael Malone put it over the All-Star break, like he doesn't fight the game. The old saying, like, let the game come to you. Like, Jokic, you look that phrase up in the in the dictionary, you see Jokic, he's actually overcompensating in the other direction where he is not taking what the game uh, uh, brings to him. No one can guard Jokic. No one on the Raptors two nights ago could guard, guard Jokic. Not Jakob no. Pertle. He, he, he's a mismatch for everyone. But prior to the last minute and a half, Pertle had outplayed him. He did. He did. He did. He had like 18 points he did. With he was, the two minutes to go in the game. Jakob Pertl was great. But I'm seeing a guy that in the last two games specifically, and maybe you want to throw in the Memphis game too where he only took 10 shots. 10, 10 shots. I think that he is almost like, I'll reduce it down to a sentence. I think if he could avoid this entire MVP thing and not win it and make it all go away, I think he'd do it. Right. It almost feels like he's throwing the award. 
that's what it felt like last night where he kept did. on taking three after three after three. I'm it like, did. wait, this is not, it, this is, you're going out of your way to almost like, and again, I'm not saying on the whole, I'm talking about in particular possessions. It was like he was sabotaging the possessions. Yeah, his his play since Kendrick Perkins's second comment, not the stat header one, but the, he won back back MVP since yes. he's white yes. since that comment, has not been good. It he's gone into a shell. It has So been. I am worried about the fact that your best player is in a shell over something that was said on some silly morning show on ESPN. Your second best player went one for seven and couldn't make two threes after calling a shot, and your third best player sat on the bench for nearly a full quarter because your head coach forgot to put him back in a game. That's why my concern meter is at an eight. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to this. It shouldn't be at an eight. Yeah. It shouldn't be at an eight. I think you're. I think you're. And I don't mean this in a. a, a it comes across as like an insulting term. I don't mean it that way. But I think you're just a little bit of a prisoner of the moment. We will not be talking about Wednesday evening games in the first week of March when, when your season is on the line. And I think we have a proper enough sample size with this group to not overreact to a really, really, really small sample here. Agreed. It's one game. I don't disagree with people who said that, but it's also. You're blind if you don't at least look at what happened in that game and say that's stuff that can't be there when they play postseason games. Oh, it can't be. Uh, well, we, we agree on that. Okay, and we will we will circle Not back. You're to this. blind. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 for, for sure. Um, so there's some agreement and disagreement within this conversation. We'll circle back to it because I think it's extremely, extremely relevant. Okay, the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup hopes took a hit yesterday. Just how much of a hit? We'll discuss that coming up next. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk along. The Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup hopes took a bit of a hit yesterday. Just how much of a hit? Well, that's what we're here to discuss. I'm on Twitter, and it's been uh, written about uh, at DenverSports.com. It was uh, Kyle Fredrickson is who I saw the tweet from, who uh, I believe writes for the Denver Post, right? Yes. I, I think so. I think you're right. Um, so he's, the last time you picked up a copy of the Denver Post? You want to know what? Um, you want to know what's funny about that question? Only in my first year here, when I moved here a little over six years ago, and now in some of the places that I used to grab it, it's no longer even carried. Yeah. So, like, I, I went like looking. at bagel shop or whatever that it, it would was, be there. It was Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was Starbucks off Bellevue in the tech center, and I remember looking around like, where did they put the – and there there was no, 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 no more newspapers. I was one of the – like last remaining holdouts that subscribe to the paper. Like I love opening the front yes. door in the morning and yes. going out and yes. getting it out. And it's in the orange bag yes. and you bring it in and sit at the table. Like I'm old school. Yeah. And it just got to the point of like, well, first of all, it's not here about half the time. And then, it, you know, you can read stuff online and do other things, but yeah, that's a random tangent. Yeah. No, no. I was a diehard. No. So, so I used to get both papers when there were two papers. Okay. The news and the post. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're quick little, (laughs) quick little rabbit hole. I've shared um, some stuff with you through the years, but just to, just to share this real quick. And I've, I've again said this on the air a couple times um, over the last six plus years. I grew up without a television. So I grew up like someone from, even by the end of the 50s, TVs were in most American households. Yeah. I grew up like someone in like 1949. No TV, 
if I wanted multimedia stimulation, what was I doing? I was listening to the radio. That's why I freaking love this business. Yeah. I'd listen to Coast to Coast AM at night, listen to my UFOs, and I'd listen to Mike O'Kay uh, 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 and John Sterling call the Yankee games. I'd listen to political talk radio. There used to be a Christian talk, uh, uh, a Christian um, half-hour theater show based out of Colorado Springs that I'd listen to in Little Scotia, New York uh, called Adventures and Odyssey. And it'd be like this every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock and me and my brother would be next to the freaking radio but it was like the year 2000. Like, so so I'm I'm mentioning all that to you that I was so obsessed with sports, but I wasn't actually watching them. I was reading about them in the paper and playing. And my brother and I, every morning, would swap out comics for sports. Yep, yep. Some, someone, you have your cereal and someone, do, you read the sports and then swap it out for the comics. No one else, my age, they were watching no South doubt. Park no doubt. And, and The Simpsons. And I was reading freaking Garfield and Dilbert comics. Yeah. I used to have to do Monday morning fantasy football scores. Via the newspaper by hand. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. But that's but that's the true story. How I loved radio. I mean, I was I was in college and be like listening to the Jim Rome show over my lunch and trying to call in and email in. Like I just I loved it. I fell in love with it. Calling former hosts at the fan and getting hung up. On it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I believe that it. or not? Oh, I can believe it. <laughs> Shut up, you jerk. <laughs> Hang up. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. Back to, the to, back to business. Sorry. The Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup hopes took a hit yesterday. Just how much of a hit? Kyle Fredrickson, who writes for the newspaper, <laughs> coming back full circle. There we go. Um, he, he, he tweeted, notable from Avs Jared Bednar today, Gabe Landeskog's current knee injury is unrelated to the issue he dealt with last season. Time out. Didn't know that. I, yeah, that was news. I didn't know that. Fredersen goes on to say, uh, he, uh, he quotes Bednar, I'm sure it didn't help, uh, uh, Bednar said, do I think that he could easily come out of this and be fine? Yeah, but he also acknowledges the team is unsure or if Landeskog will be available to return this season at all. Bednar said, quote, only time will tell, end quote. Ugh. Wow, this yeah. is not great. No, and it it... it puts a bigger spotlight on their lack of moves right at the deadline, right? Particularly, hey, how do you address second-line center and things like that? And they just mm-hmm. sat on their hands. Now, they did make moves like the 10 days before the deadline, but they didn't They didn't solve that one. And we had Will Peterson on. He was either here or the drive or somewhere. And he mentioned, well, you know what? I, I, I take this as good news. I think their uh, deadline acquisition is going to be Gabe Landeskog. You don't do nothing if he's not coming back which I think was a sound way to read it. I'm not being critical of Will. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that makes sense if you're trying to connect dots, read tea leaves, whatever. This would make it be like, wow, well, why did you do nothing then if you're not sure he's coming back? The fact that it's not related to last year's knee injury, I actually think is good news because that would make it like this nagging thing that's just going to not go away and just keep coming back and and could be chronic or whatever you want to call it. Another injury I actually think is, is is a positive of like, hey, stuff happens. It had nothing to do with it. It's not something that's just going to keep happening over and over and over again. The last part of that, of what you read, was the concern. Not sure he's coming back this year. Time will tell. It's hockey, though. Like, if you never played another game, you'd be like, this year, you'd be like, ah, okay, I guess we saw it coming. If you played in their next game, you'd be like, ah, oh, that's hockey players. Like, they're so close to the vest. I wouldn't push the panic button yet. 
And again, I wake up with my hand on the panic button ready to go. I wouldn't push the panic button yet. <laughs> well, I- I'm not pushing the panic button, but but when he threw in, or if we don't see him at all this year, it's like, wait, that opened up a whole other door. Yeah. I-, I expected him to be back. Apparently, two two different surgeries for two unrelated things. What happened? Did something happen this off season on the cup celebration? Like that's where my mind goes. Sure. Like, was there some sort of drunken slip where? Look, if you're already compensating for one knee injury and, and you know, did something else happen, I, I don't know. That's a good question because he played in their last – I mean, obviously he played in the game where they won the cup, and then he's having to have surgery, and it's not related to his previous thing, right? Like, that would have made sense of he came back, he was able to play like a month, play through the playoffs, yeah. but he wasn't 100%. Let's go clean that thing up. Right. Well, then how did he get hurt? So, so, so that here, begs. That's a good question. So, and I'll take it a step further. They said he had surgery in October. Why would you get surgery in October and not July? And what did the injury got hurt in September? No, that <laughs> that's that's the question I yeah. want to bring up. No, because you're right. I, the timeline doesn't make sense for surgery in October. The season's underway. Um, so, was there an injury in September? I mean, it could be the Bradley Chubb thing too. Of hey, you think you can rehab it without surgery? And then as you get closer and closer to the season, it's like, ah. Uh, but wasn't okay. that relating to the first injury? It With, in with Bowen Spurs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. But, I mean, you could have delayed it because it's like, man, I don't want to go under the knife again. Let me see if I can get this thing back. Sure. And you get to the 11th hour and you're not ready to go, so you have no choice. Maybe. But Bednar said it wasn't related to the first injury, so then it, it begs the question, well, how did he get hurt? When did he get hurt? Yeah. What was he doing? And we're never going to find out. I mean, well, I would say never, like not in the immediate future are we going to find out. We've had some weird injuries in this town. We've had Brian Greasy trip over a dog and mm-hmm. fall down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, oh, man, Clint Barmus get hurt uh, hunting with uh, Todd Helton. We had Larry Walker hurt his shoulder fishing. This might go onto the list. I don't think I heard the Larry Walker one. And I'll have to look it up and get all the details, but he was fishing, and he, like, slipped on the dock and fell onto his shoulder and missed some time. Clint Barmas was a deer hunting thing, and then Brian Greasy tripped over um, uh, a dog. Dog, And the rumor is it was he actually ran into Trevor Price's fist. But we're not not sure of that, allegedly. That's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, my goodness, that's right. Um, Okay, look. Um, I think it's debatable how serious uh, uh, this is going to be for the organization as it relates to this season, but it's it's a significant loss. I mean, you can't understate uh, his just impact both on the ice, but also what he means to the team. It's it's even uh, a larger like yeah. This, when you lose the captain, can, can, that's a big thing. You can't spell cup without the C. <laughs> so uh, I mean, how 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 much does this impact? Let me just ask you on the way out here. If Gabe Landeskog does not come back this season, how much does that impact your view of this team? If he comes back and he's pretty much close to 100%, I expect him to at least go to the Stanley Cup final. If he doesn't come back, I won't be shocked if they can't get out of the second round again. Goodness. I think it's that big of a deal. Oh, man. Okay. Um, We're going to keep our eye on this. Um, Our eyes are going to stay fixed starting a week from today. Uh, on the NCAA tournament, and Superbook Sports presents the Denver Sports 5K Bracket Challenge. The winner of each round is going to receive tickets to every concert at Cheyenne Frontier Days. The grand prize winner, if that's not enough, you're going to take home $5,000. How much does it cost to enter? Literally $0. 
So there's no downside. Powered by Xfinity 10G, Phil Long Ford and Twin Peaks. Get off your butt. And actually, you can do it right on your butt and just register now online. Get your friends or your office pool signed up as well. Sign up at denversports.com slash bracket and bring uh, the tournament to a whole new level. All right, James, James Merrillat from denversports.com filling in for Brandon Stokely today. Could we be looking at one of the biggest overhauls of a, posi- of a position group for the Broncos in recent memory? Maybe so. Hang tight, and we'll get there next. It's Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Could we be looking at one of the biggest overhauls of a position group in recent memory for the Denver Broncos? James Merrillat from DenverSports.com filling in for Brandon Stokely today. Where does your where does your brain go when I say, hey, you could overhaul an entire like room on the Denver Broncos? In terms of what would I overhaul or what do I think you're talking about? Um, just wherever your wherever your uh, mind goes. I would overhaul. Well, their front seven needs a major overhaul. So, if you want to start with linebackers, I'd be fine with that. You want to start with defensive line, I'd probably put that ahead of, of linebackers. So, I would go D line. My guess, though, is you're thinking offensive line. Yeah, because yeah. we know they're going to have to Dalton Reiser. They didn't franchise tag him. Should have been a good bridge. Thank God they would have been a franchise good, good bridge because now you got to go find a left guard <laughs> they're, unless you want to go with Quinn Bailey. They're, they're, oh my goodness! So I, can, I cannot believe. You're, and you're being serious that you'd want a franchise. That, that it was a one, pay him like eighteen million dollars for one season for one year to avoid multiple seasons, dude. It he's a le- you're not going to pay a left guard twice his market value for one season. He's well, who are they going to get? Spot Rack has his market value set at nine and a half million dollars a year. You want to double that with j- for just one season? Yeah, when you're not even in a for four years. You're not even in a Super Bowl window. I don't have to commit for four years. You're so now you need to find guard. a left guard. Oh my! Goodness. You got to go find a right tackle. You don't have a first or second round pick, so you're not going to draft someone who's going to start week one. When the Jets roll into town with Nathaniel Hackett and company, I'm sticking with that prediction. We by the do- way, oh right, well, well we we don't we don't know uh, about that. Whether you know why couldn't you draft a third round uh, right tackle and have them start? I mean, oh, oh, I mean you could. I just wouldn't feel very good about it. Like normally, it's Rashawn Slater at number eleven for the Chargers, number eleven overall, and he's yeah. going to start as a rookie. Bowles, yeah, I mean it, it, Rams, somebody Chad. outside the first round, Tristan Wirfs, maybe yeah. the second round starting as a rookie at right tackle. Tackle, left guard, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I always get in trouble when I say things like that when I'm on with Schlereth and Evans. Because, like, well, what are you talking about with left yeah. guards? But I do think an interior offensive lineman, you could probably plug in a rookie if you take him at 68 or 69. I don't think you're going to get later in the draft. You end up with Luke Wattenberg. We yeah. all saw what he did. Yeah. Doesn't mean he won't be a decent player. Right. Boy, did he struggle as a rookie. Right. So, to me, you were, you were buying a year to get to... You were, really year, buy, you were really buying. Yeah, you were literally buying a year to get to next year when you have a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and you can go out and look at free agency because depending on the list you look at, Dalton Reisner is the first, second, or third best left guard on the open market. So why not just keep the guy you have for one year, don't overcommit lengthwise, year-wise, and buy yourself some time. Literally buy yourself some time. Yeah. Because now, that how are they going to... I don't know that they necessarily need to... Like, upgrade. you know that counts against your salary cap, right? If you, you want to pay your left guard $19 million a year. I know. Okay. Money's no issue. Not when okay. you have the WP fog. <laughs> so, because uh, I don't think they need to upgrade from Lloyd Cushenberry. I really don't. 
I don't remember a lot of games where I was watching like, oh my God, their their center's terrible until Graham Glasgow started playing center. Oh no! I, so okay, we have some more disagreement here. I I do not think Lloyd Cushenberry uh, is the answer at center. I I actually can't recall watching a Broncos center get blown off the ball more uh, since moving here six plus years ago. He, he that's he, well, he's just like not not a strong offensive lineman. He was so much better than I mean Graham Glasgow spent so much time looking over his left shoulder, seeing. Who, watching his guy tackle Russell Wilson, it was laughable. But both of them had the disadvantage. It, and we, You saw it in week one, and they never changed it for 17 games. Every road game, their silent count was the exact same thing. Yeah, Dalton yeah. Reisner would look back at Russ, get the get the okay, yeah, that was, tap the center, yeah. one 1,000 snap. That was not ideal. If you're a center and they're, they know the timing in the A-gap, you yeah. got no shot. Yeah. You got no shot. So left guard, right tackle for sure. Left you, guard, right tackle for sure. Are you fine with Quinn Miners? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with Quinn. They were not they, at right guard. He got hurt week one. They were they were playing pretty well week one when he was out there. Yeah, and that's another guy who came in and played right away, right? He well, he started last year. I don't think he's. I don't think he played much he as a play, rookie. I think he played later in the season. I want to say. I think, he, I think he was behind Glasgow at right yeah, guard. Yeah. Uh, and Moody was in there. Boy, how how much better would it, if, would their situation look if he was still around? Moody, he, yeah. He, he bolted. And he got guy, picked up at the deadline, right? Or picked he up went to the Raiders, the Raiders on their practice right, squad. Right, he would right, rather be right. on their practice squad than Denver's. That one didn't make sense. Even in the moment, that one did not make sense. He was a guy that was out there with the starters yeah. on some days during training camp. They tried to sneak him through. It's yeah. Like, no, you misplayed that. It, it's complete misplay by uh, uh, by George Payton. There's a lot of them. I, he inherited a team. Uh, 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 you're talking about pass rushers. He inherited a team that had Vaughn Miller... Bradley Chubb, Draymond Jones, and Malik Reed. How's he replace those four guys? Randy Gregory? Yeah, tried. Baron Browning, who I think is going to be a pretty good player. Yeah. Nick but, Benito. But, but here's what's hard to reconcile when you say that. You, you you talk about those guys like if it was like the 2015 team. or the No, Ravens. it's a heck of a lot a, better than what they have that, now. That was a bad football team, and they were a big reason of, of why. Like that group that you just named right there, Bradley Chubb, had, was a bust of a fifth overall pick. Von Miller just stopped making plays for the Broncos in his last two years. Like, he was not available or he wasn't making plays. Guy didn't force a fumble for a whole season for the he first was, time in his he career. He was player of the month in September, and he traded him a, a yeah, month later. Yes, he was. He had five sacks against the Jets and the Giants in the first two weeks of the season. Well, hey, and was a total wanted, misrepresentation of what it was on a down-to-down basis. Everybody wanted to give Teddy a big contract and put up a statue outside of Empower Field for Vic Fangio when they beat the Jets and the Giants. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Certain state sponsors. People. Oh, well, that, I mean that, that, that's a t- that's totally different. But, <laughs> so uh, uh, you're, I, I get where you're going with. But those guys line. didn't make plays. Like they didn't. There was a, they, that that 17 team where it's Von Miller. There's the most blown out team in football. In 2018, it's Chubb and Von, okay. and, and 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 they, and they went they went five and eleven. I mean, okay, but would you rather have this year, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Draymond Jones, Malik Reed? Or, nope, because you can't just say it like that. It's Von Miller and Bradley Chubb who are each on $100 million contracts, and both will age so poorly. Von Miller's okay. existence in Buffalo. So again, James, I'm just telling you. His again, existence you're in talking Buffalo, like it's you're eight, Greg it's, Penner's accountant. No, I'm, I'm just saying like, to, what do to, you care? to build a football team. I care because you don't pay a 33-year-old linebacker a $100 million contract, and you don't pay a 26-year-old linebacker who hadn't done nothing since his rookie okay. year a $100 million and contract. And now they don't pay a 26-year-old interior lineman who had more sacks than Frank 
Clark as an edge rusher last year. They don't pay him. That one's a little they bit different. They don't pay that a, a left different. guard who wasn't I think great. There's more credence to what you're saying with that one. But the Chubb and Vaughn one both get lost on me because you can't just say their names in a vacuum without saying it's going to cost you $135 okay. million to sign Vaughn Miller up. Okay, but if you move on from him as the general manager, don't you have to replace him? Yes. And he hasn't. Nope, he hasn't. Not yet. Now, maybe maybe Randy Gregory is healthy and out there for a majority of games for the first time in his career. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe Baron Browning turns into, every week, a guy we see flashes of. Because there are times he looks like an elite pass rusher. Man, he, he, he does. He, 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 he looks like he's got star potential. And he it, does. And his bend is unique. And Yeah. Yep. There, you, you can look at that guy and go, that guy could be special. He's not now, but he could be. And he had just changed position. So if that's how you look as good in year one of, of going to outside linebacker, I mean, that's yeah, that's exactly. Story he hadn't too. been doing it as you know for his entire college career. So you know, there is a learning curve to it. Maybe somebody, uh, uh, Matt, what's his name? The get kid from Wisconsin, uh, uh, Hennessy, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Maybe he's the replacement for Draymond Jones. Yeah. But do you want to bet on any of those three things happening? Baron Browning is the best bet of yeah. the three. Yeah. So I, I just it's. They but, have no, I, but no, to answer your question, I wouldn't bet on. I wouldn't bet on it. So then I would look at offensive line, and I would say, okay, he came in here and inherited a group that had, you know, Dalton Reisner. It had uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. It had Natane Moody. It had some guys there. You're like, okay, they could be cornerstones. And then we we talked last year, like, ah, you know, if you look at their interior four guys. That are three guys, the two guards in the center. They had five guys competing for those spots. Now, more than half of those guys are going to be gone, and you're like, who is going to fill these positions? So he's created, George Payton has created a situation where he has to upgrade the position. All of them. Yeah. The position and, and, group. And, and, and obviously, it's incumbent on him to replace those guys at a higher level than the guys that you're seeing walk out the door. Um, I don't believe in paying everyone from a bad football team. Like, the, the Broncos have been a bad operation, a dysfunctional operation, so I don't want to you know, pay everyone from, from these teams that win five games. But at the same time, you're right. George Payton, like, this is your month. This month of March, yeah. next month, you need to get things right. The, the folks who say George Payton, hey, widely respected, and if it was in front of an impartial jury, you would get eviscerated with facts. George Payton has not done a great job. Uh, the shine has come off him to such a degree, uh, and I'm glad we're, we're, we're agreeing on that because you need to have these conversations and admit you have a real problem uh, before you can fix it, and the Broncos have a problem. I'll bet other GMs around the league do like the guy they keep fleecing. <laughs> You're the guy at the card game. Yeah. Who just, yeah. hey, they thanks love for the donation. We love when that guy shows up for the poker game. Yeah. Uh, we're live here at Slattery's Irish Pub inside the landmark within the Tech Center. We're going to be here until 2 o'clock. The guys uh, here got all the uh, conference tournament basketball games up on the screens and we're just loving this time of year it's a great environment it's a beautiful day if you want to sit outside you can do that as well um and uh, and sit in the sun and have your lunch but already a really a nice crowd uh has has filed in here uh but still plenty of space for you and some friends if you want to come by and say hello okay i wanted to get to this question yesterday we never paid it off what would define success in the russell wilson sean payton era and how is it different from how you would answer that question, if at all, a year ago? That's coming up next.